brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> This is Special Prosecutor Larry Clayman. I'm the only lawyer ever to obtain a court ruling that a president of the United States committed a crime. For truth, for competition. As a young lawyer, I helped break up AT&T. That's why you have all your cell phones today. For sovereignty, for the republic. I'm the guy who, at Judicial Watch, which I founded, uncovered the Chinagate scandal. Millions of dollars going to the Clinton campaign, corrupting our political system. For the privacy of citizens. And I'm the only guy to have enjoined the National Security Agency from mass surveillance on hundreds of millions of Americans. Tearing it up. I'm the son of meat packers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know how to slice and dice. Bringing it back. We're going to take this country apart and put it back together again in the way envisioned by our founding fathers. It's not just talk. We're not just regurgitating news stories. Larry Clayman, special prosecutor, is making the news. And now, here's Larry. Welcome to this edition of Special Prosecutor with Larry Clayman. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to have Alan Keyes join us, that great patriotic African-American, ran for the U.S. presidency, ran for the Senate against Barack Obama, my very close friend. I really admire Alan. It's a mutual admiration society. And he's going to come on the show and give him his, his thoughts and all this talk about racism and Civil War statutes and what it means for the republic. But first, I want to get to a few things that have happened this week, because as you know, this show makes the news. It just doesn't regurgitate the news. And my client and very good friend, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, he was a subject of conversation in Phoenix, Arizona this week when the president gave one of his rallies. It was a great rally. Of course, he was excoriated by the left wing media, by CNN. But he did what he had to do because he had to come out. He has to speak for himself. The people in and around him, very few of them are in his camp. He's out there by himself, much like we are at Special Prosecutor with Larry Clayman, and of course, in our legal work that we do at Freedom Watch. And you can go to freedomwatchusa.org, freedomwatch.org, contribute to our cause. We need your strong support. We need you to join, get our free newsletters, get our free emails, and keep up to date, because we're making news every week. And of course, the president was there explaining that his comment about both sides being at fault, clearly, was not a racist comment. Then he went back and talked about the outrageous, uh, really dangerous aspect of the Ku Klux Klan, of white supremacists and, and the like. But of course, there was a flip side to the story too, and he made reference to that. And that was this group called Antifa, which is financed by George Soros. 
that self-hating Jew who actually financed uh, Antifa and during World War II with his father took property away from Jews going to gas chambers and to the ovens. I mean, this guy is evil plus. And he talked about that, and he talked about Black Lives Matter, New Black Panthers Party, Al Sharpton, Louis Farrakhan, Nation of Islam, indirectly. He didn't use them by name. But you see, they are the flip side of the same coin. They are the flip side of what's evil in this country today. And I actually have a recommendation. If you want to really deal with the issue, why don't we ship them all to Wyoming or someplace where there's not much population and let them fight it out. Let them take care of it between themselves, the left and the right, the racists on both sides, black and white. So we're going to talk about that later. But during that rally that the president held, he talked about my client and good friend, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, as I said. And Sheriff Arpaio was unjustly convicted of criminal contempt for allegedly violating a court order where some of his deputies went out and allegedly profiled Latinos in day worker sites. Well, first of all, where are you going to find day, uh, illegal aliens if not at day worker sites? Secondly, it wasn't done intentionally. And third, what he was doing was exactly what the current policy of the U.S. Department of Justice is today, which is to use local law enforcement to help enforce the immigration laws. These new laws came into effect, these new policies rather, under Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Sessions has done some good, but we're going to talk about other things that he hasn't done at all, and that's creating a huge, huge problem. But he made reference, the president, of pardoning Sheriff Arpaio. And I think that we played some role in that because our public relations efforts and others pointing out that it was a Clinton-appointed judge who predictably convicted Sheriff Arpaio. He didn't allow him to have a jury trial. And the president alluded, how can a guy be convicted for simply carrying out the law and enforcing the immigration laws? And that's the point. So I salute the president this week. He was very direct. He was down at street level. He was communicating with the American people. And the elites in Washington and the media don't like that. They want them to, people to stay above the fray like the Bushes used to do. But you know what? The Bushes, they were out there. They're welcome in American politics because they accomplished little to nothing, particularly the second one, W. Bush. In fact, we're still mired in a lot of wars that he created that probably were unnecessary uh, in the long run. We're 17 years in Afghanistan and nothing really is happening. The president gave a speech earlier in the week about that. We'll see if that works. I got to tell you, and I'll be critical when I have to, I'm very skeptical. I do not see uh, anything happening in Afghanistan other than continuing this war. And of course, that was a platform that the president ran on was to frankly get out of there. Frankly, and I'll be blunt, I think we should just blow the whole darn place up and get the heck out because there's no way these people can govern themselves and we're just losing Americans day by day in and day out uh, over one GI is killing himself a day just for PTSD, uh, traumatic stress syndrome. So anyway, I do salute the president. I think it was a great rally. I, you know, Not everything he does do I agree with, but he is our hope right now, and we are his hamburger helper, in effect. We're here to make sure that his policies, to the extent we can, are carried through, because we have an ineffective Washington. We have a Washington that strays from its job. It's stuffing money into its pockets on both sides of the aisle. It's accomplished nothing. The Republican Party are a bu bunch of cowards, in my opinion, and I'm, I am a Republican, personally. Freedom Watch is, is neutral. 
But this is what happened out there this week. Now, another event that occurred, and this fits in what I was saying about Attorney General Jeff Sessions, is that the second trial of four defendants who were tried initially, but there was a mistrial, took place over the last month and a half in Las Vegas, Nevada. The judge, Gloria Navarro, basically the rubber stamp of the prosecutors, holdovers from the Obama administration in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Las Vegas, committed a lot of misconduct, a lot of prosecutorial abuse. Uh, the defendants were really prevented from testifying as to why they came to Bunkerville, because they saw that the Bundy family was being assaulted, their dog kicked and harmed, their cattle killed and buried in mass graves by an over and by a heavy-handed Bureau of Land Management that was being run by President Barack Obama, and whose head of it, the Bureau of Land Management, was the hand-picked former chief of staff of corrupt Senator Harry Reid. Well, the judge, in the course of that trial, lost it because she is, in fact, just a yes person to Harry Reid and Obama, ultra-leftist. She was appointed by Obama at the direction of Harry Reid, and she ripped a defendant off the stand, a defendant by the name of Parker. He wasn't even allowed to testify, and it was so limited, the evidence, in any event. She slammed her fist on the desk right in front of the jury, created a scene. The prosecutors, of course, looked on in horror because they thought there would be a mistrial, but sure enough, the judge didn't declare a mistrial because she wants everybody convicted, including my client, Cliven Bundy, simply for exercising their First Amendment rights to protest and the rights to bear arms. Now, these people that came to Bunkerville, the defendants, came because they saw what was happening to the Bundy family, and they had to be armed because they were worried the same thing could happen to them, but they were peacefully protesting. Well, this trial is a travesty, and I've been asking Attorney General Jeff Sessions to review this. He promised me that he would. We had a conversation on the phone. I actually called him on his cell phone months ago, and he's abdicated his responsibility. He says he's not taking sides. Well, you know what? He's the attorney general. The buck stops on his desk. So this week, I filed a complaint with the Office of Professional Responsibility. That's the ethics arm of the Justice Department and also the inspector general. They investigate abuse. And I filed it against Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the U.S. attorney in Las Vegas. Now, I don't wish uh, A.G. Sessions any harm. I want him to succeed, but I've got to force him to take a look at this case. He's got to man up and do his job, and I'm hoping that this complaint will force him to finally do his job, to review this prosecution, and to drop it, because what happened just in the last few days is that these four defendants that were retried for the second time, a jury could not convict them. They couldn't bring themselves to do that. So if you want to see what we filed, go to our website at freedomwatchusa.org. I've got a copy of it. It was filed in my personal capacity as lawyer for Clive and Bundy. You can go to cliveandbundydefensefund.org, cliveandbundydefensefund.org. Please contribute to that fund because Cliven's going into trial in about a month and a half if this case isn't dropped. And frankly, at this point, you have to prepare for trial. You can't hope that suddenly Attorney General Sessions will wake up and do his job. Now, I want to add one other thing, and we're going to talk about in our next segment what's been happening with our friend Clapper, uh, at formerly the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency and the intelligence agencies and how corrupt they have become. But we have a comment. Hillary Clinton's book is coming out, her justification for her amazing loss with regard to the last presidential election 
And in that book, she makes a statement that when she debated Donald Trump, that he came close to her, invaded her space, and, quote, made my skin crawl. And I should have told him he was a creep to get away. Well, you know, that's ironic. I wonder if she's ever told her lovely husband, William Jefferson Clinton. By the way, I guess, given everything that's going on right now, the name Jefferson should be removed because that's racist. But in any event, to say that Trump made her skin crawl, what about her husband who abused a White House intern, who sexually harassed a number of women? I represented those women, not in the sex part of the case, but keeping the Clintons off their back, and no pun intended. And this is a reality that Hillary Clinton refuses to face. And when you listen to her voice, because she did an audio version of this, you talk about creepy. She sounds like the wicked witch of the left. And this is why she wasn't uh, elected, because people just don't like her. Frankly, she's disgusting. She's low class. And for her to say that a man made her feel creepy, well, maybe ask Uma Abedin the real story about why men don't really relate to Hillary Clinton. Uh, she relates very well to Uma Abedin, who she traveled around and had a separate cabin to sleep with during the campaign. But she has problems uh, with men. And dealing with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, it's not surprising that she felt creep that he was creepy because she probably feels her husband is the same way. In any event, we'll be right back with more as Special Prosecutor with Larry Klayman. Special Prosecutor, Larry Clayman. If you'd like to support Freedom Watch and this radio show, go to freedomwatchusa.org. I want to talk now about James Clapper, former director of national intelligence, someone who lied twice to Congress, the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee, that there wasn't mass surveillance that was being conducted on the American people, violating their Fourth Amendment constitutional rights. Of course, I went to court three years ago and got preliminary injunctions against the NSA, against President Obama, against uh, everyone who was engaging in this mass surveillance. And a new law was enacted called the USA Freedom Act, which was supposed to stop all of this, but it didn't. So we recently brought a new lawsuit, and I'm a, def I'm a plaintiff in that case, and so is Dennis Montgomery, who you've listened to before on this show, that brave whistleblower who came forward with 47 hard drives, over 600 million pages of information showing that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, other justices, 156 judges, Donald Trump himself, his family, other prominent businessmen, yours truly, anyone who was viewed as a threat to the government under Obama and others was surveilled illegally. Now, Clapper this week, and that case, by the way, is in progress. We're seeking another preliminary injunction. Follow that at freedomwatchusa.org. Uh, contribute to us. We're against very powerful forces here. My cell phone's been hacked three times in the last year. Dennis Montgomery's computer has been invaded. They obviously want to know what we're doing because we're moving to, re to have them held accountable, not just civilly, but criminally. But Clapper made a comment this week. He's total political hack. I mean, the guy can't even keep his eyes looking straight into the camera. That's how much he lies. And he comes out right after President Trump gave his speech in his rally in Phoenix, Arizona, and says that the guy is unhinged. He's mentally unstable. He's psychologically sick and should be removed under the 25th Amendment of the Constitution. 
unbelievable. Now, he didn't just show up on CNN and MSNBC by himself. He was sent out there by Obama, by the Hillary Clintons, by the other leftists in the Democratic Party to basically do this hit job. And because he was with the intelligence community, he was the head of it, director of national intelligence, there's this aura of credibility that he must know because he's a spy because he's been getting into literally the underwear of President Trump with all this surveillance. Now, it's ironic that he, he just claims doing all these illegal things, which even recently Circa News revealed he was unmasking people in and around President Trump without probable cause. Unmasking means you remove them from the veil of secrecy when you do intercepts of foreign calls under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. He was doing this illegally. He was committing more crimes. But he's out there doing this. He's doing the bidding of the ultra left. And he's trying to destroy the president. He's a despicable individual. And again, Attorney General Jeff Sessions should do his job. Man up, Jeff. It's time that you actually put on the hat of Attorney General and do your job. You know, you're doing good with immigration. But you know what? You were put there for more than that. These people need to be investigated before a grand jury, indicted, tried, convicted, and thrown in prison for the rest of their lives. Not Clive and Bundy. But these individuals, and by the way, Dennis Montgomery knows that they were illegally surveilling Cliven Bundy and his family as well. It knows no bounds. We have this Orwellian state. Judge Richard Leon ruled that it's an Orwellian state twice. We're back in court. Follow what we do. Go to freedomwatchusa.org. Contribute to our cause. Sign up. Keep alert because we are in a crisis. Uh, there are various forces of the left and the intelligence committee, the uh, community are trying to destroy this president, trying to destroy anybody, any conservatives that support him or even don't support him. And we need to rise up as the American people peacefully and legally and take our country back before it's too late. We're on the cusp. We're on the edge of extinction. We're on the edge of going under. And when you see people like Clapper, a despicable, low-class individual, a, a certified liar under oath, and Congress is scared to move on that and investigate it because he's got all kinds of dirt on them. I mean, Capitol Hill's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and they're worried that dirt is going to come out concerning them, so they do nothing. Well, it's time for the attorney general to man up, as I said. Do your job, Jeff. I'm going to send you a copy of this uh, radio show because you are the attorney general of the United States. And if you don't do your job, if you can't take the heat in the kitchen, get the heck out. So this is the message for today. We're going to talk to Alan Keyes right now. Alan understands what's going on in this country. I really admire Alan. I wish he had been president when he ran. But we don't have that right now. What we have is also a very good president. And while Alan's not exactly the biggest fan of that, his concepts are, are what we're all trying to be, trying to accomplish in this country. And I want you to listen co closely because this is a true intellect, a true American patriot. We're going to be right back with special prosecutor with Larry Klayman. In the meantime, check out our website at freedomwatchusa.org. And now, four words that make corrupt politicians make wee-wee in their little pants. Transparency and the rule of law will be the touchstones of this president. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Special Prosecutor, Larry Klayman. 
Be the one who makes our country great again. Go to freedomwatchusa.org and donate. I want to introduce right now a a really great friend of mine. We've known each other over the years. It's a mutual admiration society. Alan, uh, of course, is one of the greatest thinkers out there, a man of extreme integrity, a true American patriot. I wish he had been president. He ran for president years ago. He also challenged Barack Obama in the senatorial race in Illinois. He knows all about Obama, but more important than that, he understands the Constitution. He understands what this country was founded for. And I wanted to bring him in because if anybody can articulate what we're going through today with these charges of racism and counter-racism and Civil War statues and all this other stuff that really is diverting the nation's attention from very important issues that need to be addressed, whether it's Obamacare, whether it's the budget, whether it's tax reform, whether it's dealing with the threats from North Korea and Iran and what's going on now in the Middle East with Afghanistan and Syria and the rest, Alan can put it all in perspective. So I want to introduce you to my friend, someone who I admire to an extreme extent, someone who talks with clarity and eloquence beyond anybody else, frankly, in the political world. Alan, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you, Larry? That's quite a compliment coming from you, since I would ascribe a lot of the same clarity and especially a lot of the same integrity to what you have done uh, over the course of years uh, with the usually abstruse uh, challenge of dealing with uh, all the legalisms that uh, I think lawyers manage to use to obfuscate what are in many ways simple premises and their application for the good of this country. So I want to congratulate you for that and remind the audience of all the ways that you have helped to champion the Constitution, to champion the rights of people under the Constitution, to stand against the abuses that are gradually uh, calculated to destroy it, uh, which you have never ceased to see and to fight. Uh, and I think uh, we need to appreciate that. Thank you, Alan. Well, we're, we're trying to implement your vision. Uh, we're kind of like your gladiator in many ways uh, in the courts and otherwise. Of course, that becomes more difficult today with 70 to 95 percent of the judges being these leftist judges who mm. rule based upon their political philosophy, not upon the law and not upon the Constitution. And we're going to start seeing that with regard to this issue that I would like you to flush out for our listeners, dealing with our history, dealing with whether we remove Civil War statues, whether we we shut down the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C., whether uh, Mount Vernon with regard to uh, George Washington should also be off limits uh, because these people had slaves. I want to get your take on it. I I want to get your, your wisdom here, Alan. Let her roll. Well, I, I, I have to say, I think the first question that Americans should be asking themselves uh, is a very simple one. Who is inviting us to refight the Civil War? Uh, one would think that since that war still stands as the bloodiest war in the history of our country, more lives lost, more blood spilled than in any war we have endured since that time. Uh, in which on a single day of battle you came close to losing as many people as we lost in the whole course of the Vietnam War. Antietam, for example. Uh, Now, think about that. So that generation put themselves through this 
horrible travail involving fundamental issues of human right, God-endowed right, constitutional right, states' right, uh, the right of the people in terms of their liberty, all these really complex and important issues that have been present before us as challenges since the country was founded. Uh, and they not only discussed them for decades, saw every issue in terms of them in a way that, by the way, we do not anymore, uh, in terms of those fundamental premises and issues. Uh, but they then finally went to war, a war that lasted years, that divided regions and families and states. West Virginia split off from Virginia, for example, uh, in the course of the war and, and, and things of this kind. And now we're going to presume for reasons that I think no sane person could articulate in a sane and logical way, we're going to presume we have to fight that all over again. And this, not for the sake of trying to do something about the real and serious oppression of one group of human beings by another, not trying to do something about the real and serious degradation of the character of people that Jefferson, for instance, saw as the result of slaveholding. Uh, which, which challenged the very character required to maintain self-government because it encouraged arrogant presumption and the habits of mind that are characteristic of despots and tyrants and oligarchs. Uh, people understood this. It was part of the reason they were willing to endure these great sacrifices. Others understood, too, that the need to get rid of slavery also raised the specter of despotism from national powers that would presume to dictate the conscience of people in the states in a way that seemed to contravene the requirements of the Constitution. And the arguments were made on both sides. And regardless of where one falls, you have to know that was a pretty serious treatment of the issues. And people sacrificed a good deal. And at the end of the day, the whole premise even of current agitation is that the right principle of justice went out because slavery was abolished, stigmatized, banished from at least the legal uh, support that, it, that was at one time even enshrined in our Constitution. All that changes. Now answer me a question, Larry. What kind of a, of a mind, what kind of a concern or interest in the United States is going to say, okay, y'all, let's get ready to refight that battle. Let's fill our streets with violence as if that was never resolved. Let's pretend that the wounds that were inflicted and the suffering that was involved and the oppression and brutality that took place, let's pretend that we're suffering from it so that we can sit like Al Sharpton all dolled up in our nice suit and making a good income and pretend that, oh, we're hurt by Robert E. Lee. We're hurt by the very existence of anybody who might think he did any good. What sense does this make? It strikes me as plainly irrational to believe that these people have it in view to deal with an injustice that was dealt with by people willing to wade through fields knee-deep and more in blood on one side and the other. And when that was over with, the result that was produced, was it perfect? Of course not. We're not perfect yet. But it kept the country together. It did so on the basis of acknowledging principles that were still uh, seen through a glass darkly 
at the time that the Constitution was set in place, but were clarified as the very premises of the nation's life by the time the Civil War ended. And by the way, a lot of that clarity, thanks to the statesmanship of Abraham Lincoln in articulating the issues of principle and morality and faithfulness to God Almighty that were involved in the war. Right? All this has happened. And we're going to pretend it didn't happen. And that somehow it falls on our pampered shoulders, our proven incompetent shoulders when compared to previous generations of Americans. Uh, it falls on our shoulders to refight that war. And we're going to do something to improve upon the result that produced our understanding of why there should be such indignation against injustice. All these people getting involved, uh, acting as if the people who were involved at that time didn't in fact instruct us in the meaning of justice, instruct us in the true meaning of liberty that precludes that kind of injustice. Doesn't make sense to me, Larry. I think Americans shouldn't be no, engaging in this folly. I think we should be critiquing it and asking, cui bono? What sane person would do this to us if they really care about us? And the answer is clear. Nobody sane would do it. Somebody who intends us harm is doing it. Well, that's right. It's being used for, uh, I think you're suggesting this, particularly when you mention the name Al Sharpton, okay? A master extortionist who makes money by creating race wars and pitting one group of people against the next. And of course, most African-Americans and others don't ever, ever pay attention to these statues. For instance, I went to Duke University and Duke University removed a statue of Robert E. Lee this week in front of the Duke Chapel. I never saw such a statue. I didn't, didn't pay any attention. All I saw was a statue of James B. Duke with a cigar. There must have been something behind the chapel. But we need so to focus on the future. We need to recognize our history, not fight, refight the Civil War, as you said. And it's being whipped up not by African-Americans, not by other people that basically want to get along and live their lives you know, in, in happiness and prosperity, but by those people who want to exploit and wants to, want to tear this country apart, as occurred during the Civil War, and then build it back up, in my view, in their leftist and their reverse racist image. Well, I, I think that's, that uh, ought to be plain and obvious to common sense Americans. Um, but that doesn't mean we can simply dispense with thinking about the specifics here in terms of Robert E. Lee, uh, and in terms of whether the attack that's being waged now with his name prominently featured, but really representing, as Al Sharpton said in an interview he did with Charlie Rose or somebody, I think, uh, he, he made it very plain that anybody who owned slaves, that's Robert E. Lee. And, and, and then people want to act as if Donald Trump didn't say something precisely true when he pointed out, oh, wait, well, wait a minute, George Washington owned slaves. And, and unlike Robert E. Lee, by the way, uh, Robert E. Lee inherited the slaves from his father-in-law, as I recall it, passed to two, him and his wife, as a result of his father-in-law's death. The father-in-law said that these slaves must be emancipated uh, in not more than five years, and by 1862, Robert E. Lee, in fact, had accomplished that purpose. 
The other thing that's always in, intrigued to me uh, is that uh, Lee is stigmatized in a lot of these articles that they write. Oh, he's a cruel slave master. And they cite an episode in which slaves had escaped, and when they were gotten into custody, he had them beaten, right? Now, I read about that years ago, wondered about that. How is that consistent with the idea that this was some gentleman, some decent character, and so forth and so on? And when I examined the circumstances, I found that the very person from whom we get the circumstantial account of these beatings that took place is one of the people who is, was later free as a result of Lee's implementation of his father-in-law's will, right? So in spite of the fact that he was fighting the war and doing this and that, he made sure that that will was respected and the slaves were manumitted. And the fellow who was involved actually ends up at some point, early 1863 or in 1863, uh, I think late, in, in the uh, uh, Union lines presenting himself with a pass through Southern lines making it clear that he was free to go where he wanted to go. Now think about that. If you well, were I do. Lee, I mean, you're pointing out an obvious fact. It's not all black and white. No pun intended. Well, it's also, I mean, there's it's a lot of more than that because there's a lot of gray area if, here. If you were Lee, though, and slaves were being encouraged to run away and go through all the travails and dangers of doing so, when in point of fact, after time X, they were all going to be free. Wouldn't you see that as an appalling and unnecessary risk of life? in which some people were tempting others to risk their lives and the lives of, of, of others in order to achieve something that was underway. And that didn't require that risk. So for the sake of trying to keep others from being tempted to do something that unnecessary, because you knew your own will to carry out the wishes of, that, of, of, of your father-in-law, uh, you want to make an example that discourages people. We'll be right back in the next segment to discuss this further. Before he was a trial lawyer, he sliced him and diced him. People used to ask me, Larry, what caused you to start Judicial Watch and now Freedom Watch, given the powerful forces in this country that put you at risk? In a meat packing plant. I'm the son of meat packers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know how to slice and dice. A very special prosecutor, Larry Klayman. If you'd like to support Freedom Watch and this radio show, go to freedomwatchusa.org. Alan, we had a great conversation yesterday. We have about five minutes left, but I wanted to sum it up because we talked about where this country's headed. And you have a, a belief, and, and I agree with that, that we have to put our belief in God, uh, carry out his will, that that is what needs to be done at this time. Regardless of who the president of the United States is, that we, the people, need to rise up and restore the vision of our founding fathers. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that, because as we move forward, in very, very difficult times, dire times, times where we have intelligence agencies gathering information on all of us, using it for coercive purposes, a Congress which is inert, which does nothing because they're kowtowed and more interested in going on Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC and getting reelected 
where does the country go from here when we, we spend our time fighting over statues and and so-called Russian collusion investigations and, and everybody's calling everybody else a racist? What do we do? Well, see, I think that's all intended to distract us from the fact that there is a consensus among a substantial portion of what I call the elitist faction, but that means basically a lot of these empowered elites, they've benefited enormously from the success of our country, uh, and now they have turned against the Constitution that allowed them that success, that had a concept of liberty, that freed enterprise in order to allow folks to uh, amass wealth and produce results unparalleled in the history of the world. But the basic premise of all of that was a premise about justice, about God-endowed right, that is to say, what is right according to the will of God that then requires that we respect in each and every human being who is conscientiously doing right the will of God that empowers that person, that authorizes that person to continue with that activity. That's our liberty. Our liberty isn't just about freedom to do what we please. It's about people who have used that freedom to do what's right by their family, by their children, by their town, by their state, by their community, by the human race, indeed. People who have made that decision are then not to be interfered with so that other people can satisfy their political ambitions or their economic ambitions, filling their pockets or their lust for power. It's to protect people who are doing right from the depredations of people who want to do what they are pleased to do, regardless of right. And that's something that when it was asserted, first, it's important to the entire world, and the founders said so, and two, it's a premise that defines our nation in terms that aren't about just this or that race, this or that people. Part of the reason for all these battles is that our nation has a human vocation a vocation in terms of God's purpose and intention for humanity, that people should be treated justly, that human communities should respect that justice, and that a community of human beings of diverse origins and backgrounds is possible in the United States and perhaps even throughout the world because of the capacity we have to respect God's understanding of right in the way we treat each other. That's our mission. And I think well, people who care more about power are trying to distract us from that so that we lose our sense of identity. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I used to quote a lot, and I still do, our great founding father and second American president, John Adams, who said, it doesn't matter how many times you change your rulers or forms of government without ethics, morality, and religion, you will have no lasting liberty. I'm paraphrasing to some extent. And that's really true, is that and as he pointed out, and the other founding fathers pointed out as well, is that you're only as good as the people that inhabit the country, that you can have all these great constitutions and laws and everything, but if we go astray, we're doomed. And that's why I wanted you to get on the show today, Alan, because people need to understand from a different perspective what's at stake here, because we are sinking quickly and we need to pull out of this nosedive to save this country. And the only way we can do that, and I agree with you completely, is through our faith in God and his principles, the Ten Commandments. And of course, we have a friend down there in Alabama right now, Justice Roy Moore, who's running for the Senate down there, who stood on principle and wouldn't remove the Ten Commandments from his courthouse. And we need more people like that. Uh, we need more people like you. I want to thank you for coming on the show. 
I would like people to go to our website at freedomwatchusa.org, freedomwatchusa.org. Also, check out what's going on in the Bundy case, because that's very important for our freedom at cliveandbundydefensefund.org. And we will see you next week. Thank you, Alan, for everything that you do for this country. Good to be with you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.